Whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. Hello and welcome to the I Could Never Do That podcast. I'm Carrie Barrett, and these are the stories of people who have gone into the arena and fought hard to achieve the unthinkable in spite of the fact that, yes, sometimes they are scared and do have some insecurities. Are you ready to go in? It's my hope that after hearing some of these interviews with thought leaders and artists, athletes, musicians, and entrepreneurs, that maybe you too will be able to go from, I could never do that, to, you know what? Maybe I can. This week, I'm happy to introduce you to Ashley Brush. Ashley was born and raised in a very strict religious upbringing, and by her very early 20s, she was married, she had a young son, and was also a stepmother to two additional children. She started to feel mm, resentment, depression. She just knew that this wasn't the life that was for her, but she would treat this depression and these feelings of anger and anxiety by binge eating and uh, getting high every night when the kids would go to bed. She basically says that she had no idea who she really was because she was just so young and never really gave herself an opportunity to find out. She was playing by some strict set of rules and it got to her. And so just a couple of years ago, Ashley went back to one joy that she always had as a child and a teenager, running. She quietly started running again, and magically, a portal opened to happiness, joy, self-confidence, and profound freedom. This, this is what she was meant to do, and she's doing it. Ashley is now a coach, a trainer, and a very accomplished ultra-endurance athlete. By, as she says, pouring love all over yourself, she has started to discover the woman that she was truly meant to be. And I cannot wait for you to hear her story. So please welcome Ashley Brush. My plant Friend, I love partner. how we had the same breakfast. I was like, oh, and for a moment I did pause and I was like, oh my gosh, what did I have for breakfast? And then I was like, wait, I have the same breakfast every day. Every Why day. did I forget this? Toast, peanut butter, and banana. Yes. Yep. And it's very as simple. I, as I told you, that's my first breakfast because I have to have at least two breakfasts. Right. <laughs> I do two lunches because I have the smoothie after my run and then I immediately have lunch after that. Okay. So it's kind of the same thing. Okay. Yeah. Yes, it is. It is. <laughs> so Ashley, thank you for coming over now that we've yes. discussed food. Uh, <laughs> I am so thrilled that you're here to talk about your journey as not just a runner, but a coach. Thank you. And a mom. And the impact that you're having on other, dare I say, like wannabe runners or people who might be afraid or people who might come to you and say, oh, I could never run a half marathon or I could never do a trail race and you're here to tell them yes you can yes you can yes yes you can everybody is made to be a runner like our bodies are naturally made to run so I think everybody should get out there and start running okay so. well that leads me to my first official question which was did you grow up a runner I did not grow up a runner 
Um, not, nobody in my family was really super athletic. I did join cross country in high school. So from ninth to 12th grade, Mm -hmm. I didn't love it as much as I do now. It was more a social thing that I did then. And then after high school, I kind of stepped away from it and I immediately jumped into a relationship at 19 and kind of took on the family role and stepped away from sports in general at that point. Okay. Were you in college? I did go to college. I went to actually culinary school and then... (sighs) Yes. Now you hit me with that? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Whoa. So, New podcast altogether. Yes. I have a culinary degree. It's not my forte. I would rather eat food than cook it. So, But I did go to school for culinary school and then business management. I wanted to work my way up into the hospitality industry. I really enjoyed serving food and just kind of that social interaction with everyone. And that was kind of my goal for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you grow up in Oregon? I do, grew up in Bonners Ferry, Sandpoint area in Idaho. Oh, okay. Northern okay. Idaho. Northern Idaho. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying because <laughs> whatever just came out of your mouth, I'm like, I don't know where that is. Know it's, they're very small towns, so. It sounds lovely. <laughs> it sounds very idyllic. So cross country in high school, you went to college for culinary school, got in this relationship. Um, is this the guy that you eventually married? This is the guy I married, yes. And then he is the father of my son. Okay. So we How still- old your son? My son is eight. So his name's Caden. Caden, yeah. I love it. So, I love it. So pretty early to have a a youngster. Yeah, I had him when I was twenty one. Okay. So right before I turned twenty two. Okay. And then I met his father when I was nineteen, twenty, around mm-hmm. there. And if you don't mind me asking, what was it like being a young mom? It was it was a lot. I think During that time, I didn't really know like who I was as a person. And so I was still trying to figure out who that was. And I very much took on the role of pleasing others and like people pleasing and doing what other, what I thought others wanted me to do and how to live my life. So I kind of took on that early mom role and like started a family, went to college, but I didn't really know what it was that I wanted Mm -hmm. or what life should look like. I just did the things that I thought I was supposed to do. So I got into a relationship right away and had a child right away. And then he had two kids as well. So I became a stepmom right away as well and kind of took on that role immediately. I was pretty responsible as a kid and growing up and I kind of always had that family role. So now that I'm thinking back to it, I think I kind of just like stepped into it right away and just took on that role before I was really ready or thought about it. And that's kind of the way it was. I mean, there was not much choice. No, that's, yeah. (laughs) And and I think that that's uh, a little testament to humanity in that you don't really know how you're going to react when Mm -hmm. you get thrust into a situation, but you just... You do. You you do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And was it an an equal partnership? Or do you feel like because you had to be the mom and had to do all of these roles that, that you clearly weren't right. equipped for in that yeah, moment, exactly. but you got it through. Like, did it feel like an equal partnership? I took on the role pretty strongly and definitely did everything. Okay. And I think as far as an equal partnership, I'm not sure how to answer that, but I definitely took on the role of being the caretaker and taking care of everyone. And I kind of stepped into that and he let me. Is kind of how it worked out. So I definitely played all the parts. And then it did, because I wasn't in a place where I really knew myself or loved myself, there was like resentment there a little bit. And so I took on just a very strong role and kind of didn't really like who I was becoming and kind of the controlling nature that I put myself in. 
if I could hone in on that one yes. and take my <laughs> telescope and zoom, you just said that you didn't like yourself. I didn't like myself at all. Why? I, I just didn't. I don't know. I think I didn't know who I was. And I also didn't like the way that I looked. And because I didn't like myself, I binge ate a lot. And so I gained excessive amount of weight. I didn't like the way I looked. I remember I used to avoid mirrors because I didn't like looking at myself in the mirror. And because I hated the way that I looked, I also just didn't like who I was becoming. I felt that I was becoming very controlling because I was in kind of living this life that I didn't really want. And I didn't know how to get out of that life. And the more that I continued living that life, the more I felt stuck in it. And the more I felt like I couldn't get out. And I was playing a role. I wasn't playing myself. I was playing the role of what I felt society wanted me to be. And I think that's why I didn't like myself because I wasn't being myself. I was being this pretend person. And you can only be a pretend person for so long before it just really eats you up. Mm. And that's where I was kind of at. Growing up, did you, was that something that was modeled like with, with your family that you grew up in? I don't know if you have siblings or not, but was it? Yeah, so I'm the oldest. I have two younger brothers and... You know, I don't know if it was necessarily modeled to me. I've kind of definitely taken a lot of time to think back to why this was my perception and why I felt it was that way. I was raised fairly religious. We went to church every Sunday, and there was kind of that like pressure society-wise of what a Christian family should look like, and I definitely took that on really strongly. And I just felt like I had to do everything perfect and be this perfect person and play the role perfectly. And I didn't want to ever be in trouble. I didn't want to ever do anything wrong. And I felt like if I did, the world would end. Yeah. And you were, I mean, that's like, that's like, yeah, old, oldest child syndrome, syndrome I guess. Exactly, I guess I'm so. the youngest yeah. child. So I'm like, I was just a big <laughs> F up from, the, from, from day one. But, um, and growing up in, you used the phrase when we were running last week, like a purity culture. So purity culture, it, it exactly. Yes. Like, there was like, I think that there's, there's a difference between growing up in, let's say, just like a normal Christian household or Catholic or what, whatever your religious upbringing right. was, and then and then there's on this continuum <laughs> of this purity culture being one of the more extreme exactly examples. And then what society kind of pressures on for women, and that they're supposed to you know go and get married right away and save themselves for marriage, and I feel like it doesn't really give you a chance to figure out who you are first as a person. It kind of rushes you into being a mom and being there and raising that family. Yeah, so. yeah. And as I've been noticing a lot lately, or I, I say joking about, but I don't mean it to be a joke, but it's like we are, I was raised in that culture to like save yourself. And, but sex, sex is bad. You shouldn't have sex because yes. it's, <laughs> it's terrible and it's dirty and it's gross. But until you find the one. But how are you supposed to know what the one is right. until you really explore different parts of yourself? Right. And then you also shame those parts of yourself. So then you feel guilty about who you are inside because you have these natural emotions and feelings. And you've been told that those feelings and thoughts are wrong until you're married. And if you think about it at all, you're this horrible person. And it's like nobody explained to me, at least growing up, that these were normal, natural things to think about and just yeah. be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, 
it's a discussion that can go wide and deep on what's right or what's wrong. And, and neither one of us have the answers exactly. to that. Yes. You know, yeah. I just, it sounds to me like it, you individually found yourself in a situation that was not authentic to you. Correct. That's right. You so. completely lost yourself. So 23, 24, you're finding yourself in this situation where you're like, this, this is, this is not me. I don't know. I don't necessarily know who I am, but this isn't it. This isn't, yes. Is that where your relationship with food took a, took a bad turn? That's where it took a bad turn. I would smoke weed every night and then I would probably eat five to 6,000 calories in a sitting after work. Usually would like Carl's Jr. Like the half pound burgers, a milkshake, a large fry, that was my go-to. You went in. I went in and I would have that every night. Sometimes I would have like two Domino's pizzas, like, and then, you know, those giant chocolate symphony bars, the, <laughs> like the mega size, I would have like two of those a day. So sugar was definitely a go-to and then burgers, pizzas, just, you know, any sort of comfort food that was there. And then yeah, every night after work, I would sit in front of the TV and get high and just eat and you as still much had- as possible. Yeah. And you had your kids, you had your son, your Mm -hmm. biological son, you had your two step kids. Mm -hmm. Were they around? So your son was right. Yeah, no, they were around. So, I mean, this was after they went to bed. I've always been a server. So I've worked the evening shift. So this would be after, you know, dad is home with the kids there. Everybody's asleep. This was my, this is my quiet time. And I just need to like veg out and I guess that was my version of being myself at the time because that was my time to just like space out and forget about life. Yeah. Now, I'm asking a question that's probably more of a hindsight realization. But in that moment, when you're getting high and you're you're binging, were you cognizant of the fact that this is an escape from an unpleasant situation like it wasn't making you happy right to do that but it was it was to to feel something to mask some pain I don't think I really knew why I was doing it or what was causing it I didn't grow up really talking about mental health or going to therapy or what kind of dealing with trauma looks like or why people use different things for different coping mechanisms that's something that I've taught myself afterwards So I don't think I really had any idea like that was just kind of the life I was in and what I was doing. I don't think from my memory now, I don't think I put a lot of thought into it. I think that's just what I did. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, I asked that because I feel like we are evolved enough now to right. go red flag, red flag, <laughs> exactly. alert, alert, alert. But back then it's like, oh, dude, I'm 24. Of that's course I'm going to get stoned yeah. and I'm going to eat shitty food. Right. Of course. Mm-hmm. Like that's what I do. And I'm, I'm also saying that because I'm like, oh God. Yep. Mirror. Hello. <laughs> hello. Um, I didn't get stoned, but I ate a lot of food. Yeah. I drank a lot of cheap beer, but um I never yeah. really drank much. It's never been my like super strong thing to do. Okay. But so how long did this last? How long did this phase? This phase? Yeah. So this would have been 24 until, so 23, 24 until I was right before my 27th birthday when I started running and found running. Okay. Okay. And when did you leave your partner? I left him almost immediately after I started running. Okay. Mm-hmm. Hmm. 
So, yes. <laughs> Red, flag. Red flag. Red flag. Yeah, yeah. So. Okay. How does one discover running when you're at this, the sort of the bottom of the pit? Right. So I kind of discovered running in just like a very random way. It had always been something because I ran in high school that was in the back of my mind, like, hey, maybe I'll run a 5K as an adult. And it was something that I always wanted to do. And, but I never did it because I went to school and I had kids and it was just something that like one day I'll do this. And I really, at this point, I think I started noticing how unhappy I was and how much I couldn't pretend what I was doing anymore. And I would, I just, I knew I needed a change and I knew I needed to do something that was mine and something that was for me. And it no longer was about losing weight. It was just about doing something that was mine. So I went out and I went for a run and I ran three miles that day. And the next day I went out and ran three miles again. And I ran three miles every day for probably a month. Oh, wow. And which is definitely a jump to go from nothing to running three miles every day for a jump for every day for a month. I wouldn't recommend that as a coach now to start like that drastically. Like you're definitely susceptible, susceptible to injury. However, I got really lucky. And I think part of me knew that I really needed it. And so my body just kind of compensated and was like, all right, let's let her have it. The door has opened. The door has opened. Yeah. Yeah. And clearly your husband was probably like, what's happening? Who is yeah. this person? <laughs> so it what have was... you done with my wife, my, my subservient wife who does all the things and takes care of things? Like... It, was, it was different. Um, I think at that point... I was running. I remember I, cause I knew at that point that I wanted to leave. I just didn't think that leaving was an option. I thought that that was going to be my life for the rest of my life. I didn't think that I could leave the life that I'd created. Yeah. And so when I had started running, I, it kind of gave me that space and that time to take myself out of that situation. And I was in nature cause I did the river trail here in bend over by the old mill love that trail. Oh, it's never so simple old. and it's right there. It's beautiful. There's that little small waterfall and the bridge. So I was out there and in nature and I never really had connected to nature. I never had really had time to myself. And I think with the movement of running and able to like work that trauma out of my body, cause you store trauma in your body, just all of the things kind of fell into place. And I was able to process what was going on in my life and see a way out and realize that I didn't have to stay. Like I could change my life and I didn't have to be this pretend person anymore. And I remember there was one day where I had just finished my 30 minute run and I called my best friend just bawling because I was like, I have to leave. Like I can't do this anymore. And I was crying because I was scared because I knew I was going to leave. And I was almost scared to let myself leave because I didn't know what that looked like. And I just, I knew I was going to, and she was like, it's okay. Like you can do this. Like, it's going to be okay. And I was like, no, like I can't, but like, I know I'm going to. And it was the weirdest feeling. There was something in me that just switched and was like, you have to do all of these things. You're going to do them no matter what, like, this is what you have to do. And it was incredibly scary when that happened. And it was an internal battle back and forth. Like you have to do this. Well, what I can't, cause what's that going to look like? And I'm going to be a bad mom and I can't take care of my kid this way. And how am I going to figure this out? And I, I just did. Oh, and the expectations of probably family, faith, uh, just all of the societal expectations mm-hmm. of abandoning a family right. that, that you committed to make. Yes. I just like, I can't, <laughs> that, that, like the pressure, I feel that. It was, 
And I think my family actually took it really well. Um, I do remember feeling that though and calling them and being like, this is the decision that I have to make. Uh, cause my husband and I were actually, we were together for seven years, but we were together for six and actually didn't get married till that last year. Okay. So everybody had just come to my wedding and like had just done all of the things and saw me get married. And then two seconds later, I'm telling everyone, no, I'm done. So we didn't even make it to a year actually. Okay. So, but we what, were together for seven years. What brought you to Bend from Idaho then? Yeah. So I moved after right out of high school, my mom moved here for work my senior year. And then I kind of wanted to leave my small town. And since my mom lived here, it was a safe jump to okay. make that was not my hometown. Okay. So, yeah. so you and your boyfriend slash husband didn't move here. You, you had no, I met him here. after I moved here. Okay. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yes. Got it. So I met him at work. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. How many years ago was this? Like when you decided to leave, leave three years ago. So this is new. This is new. This is pandemic new. This is, it was a year before. Well, no, let's see. The pandemic was in March and I started running in July. So it was a little over six months. Wow. Yeah. Right before. Mm -hmm. And did you immediately connect with a running group or with people here or were you just sort of lone ranger? This was lone rangering. I haven't actually started connecting with the running community until the last six months. Uh, At first, when I first started running, it was very, at the time it felt very selfish. It was just for myself, but I really needed to pour love into myself and running was how I did that. And it, it was just for me. I didn't really run with anyone else. I did have one friend that I did meet through another friend that was like, Oh, I run too. And she was like, yeah, we should run together sometime. And then I remember I like sat back and forth about it for like probably a month before I like took her up on it. Cause I was like, no running is like my thing that I only do for myself. And I didn't even really want anyone to know that I was running when I first started running. It was something that I just wanted to be mine. I didn't want to share it with anyone. I remember I reached my goal and did my first 5k in September. It was the beat Beethoven. Yes. Yes. September, 2019, 2019. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The beat Beethoven. I ran that. My goal was to run it in 30 minutes and I ran it in exactly 30 minutes. 10 minute miles. Actually. Yeah. yeah, A little sub 10 minute (laughs) because you have that point one. one, Yeah. So it was, I, I jumped fast. And that's impressive. Thank you. It's <laughs> <laughs> impressive. So I did that. And I remember my mom posted on Facebook that she was proud of me. And I was like, mom, you weren't supposed to tell anyone. Like I wanted running to be mine. I don't want anyone to know that I'm doing this. Wow. So <laughs> were you, um, embarrassed that she acknowledged that or I don't really know what the reasoning was. I think, I don't know if it was embarrassment or I was still trying to figure it out. Yeah. And I think at the time I thought it was still a phase. I didn't necessarily think it was going to become what it became. I think I was worried it was a phase and I guess, yeah, now that I'm thinking back, I was probably worried it was a phase and if it didn't last, I didn't want to disappoint myself. So I wasn't ready to admit what I, to what I was doing and the changes that I was making. How during this point, how was your relationship with food? It's so much better now. Yeah. I, I'm, well, even when you started to run and you got out of the relationship, mm-hmm. did it? Did you have to go to therapy to work on that or work with on, my relationship with food? Yeah, and and just like 
you know, Life. coming home and getting stoned and all yeah. of that stuff. Like, like how did that start to resolve itself? Was it the running that helped with that? Or did you have to seek some therapy to kind of talk through and work through some of that? So I did go to therapy, but I didn't start going to therapy until maybe a year or two ago. So probably a year later. Okay. Um, I did heal my relationship with food immediately from running. That's great. So I, yeah, I started running and then I think it kind of was a new coping mechanism, a healthy coping mechanism at this point where I didn't need the food anymore. And I got really good at actually being able to tune into my body's needs and recognize that I was hungry instead of just eating like potato chips, you know, without really thinking about what I was doing. And I was able to be like, Oh, I'm really hungry right now. Plus I was running so much that I was starving all the time and I had to eat a lot. So that was nice, but it wasn't a binge thing anymore. Okay. And I was at that point able to recognize like, Oh, I used to do this thing where I would just eat all the time and not know like if I was hungry or not, like I was just eating cause it was there and I didn't feel that need anymore. Mm, that's great. Yes. That's great. So you have alluded to the fact that you were like, it was a healthy relationship with running, mm-hmm. but then you started to run <laughs> a lot. I did run a lot. <laughs> As there... we tend to do yes. when we find something that we love, we dive in. I and... dove fast. Yeah. You, yes. you dove fast. So talk a little bit about that. So yeah. it's great that you achieved your first 5k. It wasn't long after that, that you were doing like 50 milers and hundred milers. Yes. Like, so, so I will admit that there have been times where my relationship with running has been a little bit unhealthy because I would go off the deep end and forget about the rest of life because I loved running so much. So there was that part of it. And I have since then have kind of found the balance. Um, when I first started, so I ran the 5k and then after that, I was like, wow, this was really great. Like I was enjoying running that three miles. And so I pushed myself to go like a little bit further and I started running like four and a half miles and then six miles. And then I had planned on running my first half marathon and I was going to run the bend half marathon in it would have been April mm-hmm. of, 2020. of 2020 is what my plan was. And then one day I was out on the trail and I was going to run like six or eight miles and I got lost and I ended up running 10 miles <laughs> and, or maybe it was 12 miles. It might've been 12 miles. I ran like a lot of miles and I didn't pack enough food. I didn't pack enough water. And I just remember being totally exhausted. But then when I came back from that run and drank food or drank water and ate my food, I just all of a sudden had this epiphany of how amazing life was. And it was the best runner's high that I've ever had in my entire life. I actually did a blog post about this on my Instagram. Um, but something, something clicked that day where I just was like, nothing matters but the moment that I'm in right now. I don't have to worry about anything else. Like I can just live and be happy and life is really amazing and it's really worth living and I should be living my life. Like, why am I not living and why am I not being happy? Like everything is great. And I was so high on life that day. I remember I was texting my friend and she probably thought I was insane because she was like, yeah, life's great. <laughs> but I was like, you don't understand. It's so great right now. And in that moment, I was like, running is it. Like, I love running. This is, this is what I'm going to do. And so I actually ended up running a half marathon I did the Bend Ale Run, the half marathon in November. And then because I was going to run the Bend Half Marathon, I decided to run the Bend Marathon. 
Oh, okay. Right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just, you know, I was going to do this. I might as well just double it, you know, yes. <laughs> but, but I'm sure it was virtual. Was it, it virtual was virtual you, because yeah. it's the world shut down three weeks before. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So. And so did you run the course, the actual I, Bend Marathon course? I didn't or run just... the course. I ran, so I had a friend that I was training with. And so we had been training for the marathon and they're like, we're going to run it. And we started to run the course, but just through like flipping back and forth and like turning, we decided it would be easier to just kind of do our own thing. Okay. So we still ran through Bend. We ran most of the course, just not necessarily the exact course. Sure. But you got 26.2. I did the 26.2. So I ran it all. I did it in five hours. Nice. Yeah. I so. mean, for, for like, <laughs> for your first marathon, my first marathon was four hours and 52 minutes. Oh, that's awesome. So I'm, I'm right yes. there with you. And I absolutely adore how you described that one day of runner's high. And it, it's actually, to me, it's more of like the post runner. I've, I've survived my first bonk. Right. Yes. <laughs> and um, that accomplishment. Yes. yes. And just that you had never been more happy and just more at peace and sure of yourself right. than you were in that moment. Like, it gave me a lot of confidence. Like I was proud of myself and I was also to stay where I was at or to keep running and make it to my car. I realized that I needed to t- tell myself positive things. So I just started talking really positively to myself, which is not something that I had ever really done in my life. I had always told myself, like, I don't like the way that I look. I'm fat, like all of these things, all these negative thoughts. And in that moment, I was like, okay, if I want to make it to my car, I need to stay positive. Also, like I'm at nine miles right now. Who runs nine miles? That's insane. Oh my gosh, I'm doing this. And it just... I was tired and I was exhausted, but I was also really happy and really excited and proud of myself for doing something that I never thought was possible and was like, all right, like, and then I like did the math and I was like, oh, it's going to be like a 12 mile run. Like, this is great. And it was kind of that back and forth of like, oh my gosh, I'm tired, but I'm going to run 12 miles and this is crazy. Like I (sighs) never imagined I could do this. And I think talking positively to myself, I really, like it gave me a lot of self-confidence and made me feel great. That is so fabulous. <laughs> that is what everyone wants from any type of physical activity. Right. And running, I am in agreement with you. I think it just happens to be the most purest form mm-hmm. of exercise. It and is. the most simple form of exercise because you just have to strap on a pair of shoes and if you there. want, you know. There some are people, those barefoot runners. Yeah, some people don't even use <laughs> shoes or they use sandals or... The zero shoes. <laughs> yeah, even just a freaking walk in nature. And getting out there and just escaping, not even really escaping, but just leaving what you're used to and being able to take an outside perspective. Because when you're stuck inside of the situation that you're in for so long, you can't see a way out because your brain is constantly making the same connections that it makes every day. And it can't make a new connection until you create a new situation. So running, at least for me, has always been that place where I can look at my life from kind of a faraway view and go, okay, this is what's going on. Like, let's take a moment. These are some other answers and places that I can go. And it just kind of gives myself a sense of peace and clarity. Mm. Where did it go from the marathon? (laughs) (laughs) So after the marathon, I ran... One more marathon. I ran the Hall and Aspen Marathon. Okay. I'm, um, I'm doing the half next week. Yes. Oh, you are? Yeah. Actually, it's a good trail run. Yeah. It's really pretty. Actually, we may have run, I may have run the full the same year you did. In oh, really? 
It was 2020, yes. I did run the fool that year. Okay, yes, nice. Yes, okay, yeah. yeah. So we ran it together. The haul at Aspen is not in Aspen, Colorado for people because <laughs> everyone asks me that when they see like a shirt or whatever. It is a trail race here in Bend up at one of the snow parks, up at Winoga, Winoga. Mm-hmm. Snow Park. And it's... It's incredible views. Lovely. Mm-hmm. It's a lovely race. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So tell me about your experience at the Hall and Aspen. Yes. Oh, I love the Hall and Aspen. So that was my first in-person marathon. So it was my first marathon race, essentially, okay. even though I'd run the distance, it was my first one in person. And I really enjoyed kind of the race vibes that, cause I hadn't really gotten that before. Mm-hmm. And I remember just thinking how awesome I was that I was out there running a marathon Yes. And it was just, it was a great experience. Again, connecting to nature. I, I love trail running more. I love running, but trail running and just being out there in the middle of nowhere and just kind of taking everything in and the beautiful views of the mountains. It was, it was great. It, it so. is. And it's, and it's a great race until mile 21. And then there's where the like, hill is. There's like this two mile <laughs> uphill there straight is. up a dirt road and it's, not protected like you're in the sun yep it is it is hot and I at the time didn't believe that it counted if you walked so I of course was just like running and just like dying at that hill because you know I can't walk which by the way yes you very much can uh and should (laughs) and And you should should. you will actually go faster if you walk the hill yes so yeah going back I would definitely walk the hill but in that moment it was like well I got to keep running otherwise I didn't run the full marathon not true. Mm, not true at all. Not <laughs> it's true. It's not at even all. a little bit true. Um, I've learned since then. So yeah, this this just sort of like leads into like this this. It was cute when you were doing three miles a day. It was cute. <laughs> so now you're looking back, going, "Oh, wasn't she sweet?" Now now you're like a beast trail runner. Thank you. I ultra I mean, runner, but I w- but it as with anything you know, shit can go off the rails pretty quickly if you are training yourself into hard. fatigue or exhaustion, or, um, I don't know if you had a coach at the time or if you're not training properly right. for your body. So was there a, a time here then where you started to get burnt out or so injured? I, uh, I'll still walk you through a little bit more okay. of my race history because I didn't actually get burnt out until a year ago, which was actually the last uh, race or solo race that I have completed. Okay. I, so after that race, I decided that I was going to run a 50 K cause what's five more miles at that point. I mean, really, you know, uh, yeah. so I did. And I have to say, I very much got lucky on my running journey because I didn't have a strategy. I had no idea what I was doing. I just knew that running felt good. So I kept running and it kept being good to me. So I just kept doing it. No coach. No, no coach. Yeah. Okay. I did eventually get a coach um, when I was training for my 50 miler. Okay. So when I, I did the 50K, I did run the rock in November. And then when I decided that I wanted to do a 50 miler, I did get a coach at that point because I knew I was going to like need some real sort of strategy. And at that point, I did kind of notice that I was running around 40 to 50 miles per week. But I noticed that there were some weeks where like I just couldn't run at all. And I was like, what's going on? Like, why? Like I can just run like eight to 10 miles a day. Why can't I do eight to 10 miles every day? Like I didn't realize you had to kind of break it up and do a long run here. I was just like, eh, 20 miles feels good today. Three miles feels good today. Like I really just listened to what my body said, which was great, but I didn't necessarily follow like a strategic plan in improving and getting a little bit better. I just kind of 
did it. So yeah. Oh, and that was the other thing that happened is I did sprain my ankle in December from overuse because I just wasn't taking any rest days. And at that point I was like, all right, like I need to start taking this more seriously. So I took on a coach before my 50 miler race. Okay. Okay. Which I did. Great. Yeah. And I know that sometimes because I've, I've fallen down this rabbit hole. I'm always in this rabbit hole, actually, (laughs) quite frankly, where I feel like I have to do something every day and I have the benefit of being, you know, a fan of multi-sport training. So I like to bike and I like to run and I like to swim. That's a good way. Yeah. But I also feel panicky and, and very emotionally driven if I don't do something during that day. It's Mm -hmm. almost like there's just pent up anxiety if I don't get out and do something, even if it's 20 minutes of a hit workout something. or something. Mm-hmm. Did you feel that way when you were running or do you still feel that way? I have kind of found a balance with it now. I think that was kind of the unhealthy point that I had hit when I was, when I said that my relationship with running was kind of unhealthy at times because I couldn't take a rest day. Like I had to run and I didn't have my sense of clarity unless I was running. Okay. And so that was kind of where it started to take sort of an unhealthy turn. And I think the ankle sprain was kind of a moment like, okay, like you need to rest and then kind of getting on a schedule where I was assigned a rest day. So to this day, like Sundays are my rest day and I make sure that I take that day because I need it. Mm -hmm. And it's also the day I hang out with my son and we get to connect and we do other things. Um, So it's kind of nice to have that kind Mm -hmm. of like, this is the day where I take a break and realize that I don't have to run. It's just really nice when I can. Yeah. So yeah, that's great. And were you during this period when you were ramping up your mileage and getting fast and getting consistent and seeing some results? Did were you noticing too like, um, more self-esteem and more confidence, particularly, and I'm, and I'm thinking personally, like with your body issues right. and weight and, you know, just that all negative that. self-talk of like, I'm fat, like was right. that quiet? All of that had really honestly gone away before I hit my first marathon. Okay. Like I had really, it just, something clicked inside of me when I started running and I changed my entire life probably within three months when I started running. Like I, changed my environment. I changed the the people that I was hanging out with. I had, before I started running, had just switched jobs, which was also leading to a lot of the stress in my life. So that had changed already. Um, but I just, I running was the first kind of give that I needed to kind of give myself myself that self-confidence that I didn't have to live the life that I was living and I could change it to be what I wanted to be. And I did definitely start doing kind of a lot of exploring and trying different things. I tried rock climbing once. Mm. I tried snowboarding. I tried, you know, snowshoeing, just a bunch of different things. But running was the thing that stuck. And yeah, I had a whole new friends after three months. I, again, I would not recommend this to anyone, but I did lose 50 pounds in probably two months. So like right away, it's not a healthy amount of weight to lose. Again, I got really lucky. You should lose around one to two pounds per week. Um, but that's kind of what happened to me. And so obviously, yeah, the self-esteem was just, I was vibing off life really strongly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. That's incredible. Yeah. What I shared with you too, a little bit about my journey too, and how I had, I had lost about 50 or 60 pounds when I started to run Mm -hmm. and started to take it seriously. So I felt like 
like a kindredness with with your journey. Oh, thank you. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think it helps people a lot that way. Like running, it saves lives. It changes lives for it, sure. It does. And I think that there's, but there's a difference between I'm running away from something and I'm running towards something. something. And and that can change. That I can think, change for sure. Some days. I, I, I mean, I, I've been at this sport now for over 20 years and I think some days I'm still running away from things. Right. And, and yet I, in, in meeting new people and in running in different places, I definitely feel like I'm running towards happiness exactly, and content, contentedness. And I'm running towards that, which makes me feel so fulfilled and present. But I would be lying if I said that there wasn't always a part of me that's running away from that thing that that I still think is going to get me someday. And is, does that resonate with you at all? It does. Yeah. I think for a long time I was using, well, one, I was using running in a, running in a healthy way to find myself, but because I was finding myself and I had lived this pretend life for so long, I was running away from everything that happened during that life. And I actually associated myself as a new person. And I felt like I had been born the day that I started running and that the person that I was before wasn't me. It was never me. And so I was running away from that life a lot, which again was another unhealthy element. Um, however, it's something that I've definitely been working on finding a balance in and using running in a healthy way versus running away from it and realizing that there were parts of me that were happy in those situations. And there were elements of myself that I did like, and I'm not this new person. I'm just this person that has become who I want to be and is becoming my true authentic self. And there were good parts. I mean, I had a son. I love him very much. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, I just had to find the balance with that. Yeah. A little a little off topic, but not really. You're in the restaurant business. Yeah. And 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 have been. What was COVID like for that for you? For I the mean, restaurant business? Well, so. and just you personally, <laughs> and, because so much, so many things had to shut down. Right. And everything had to change. And this was also at the beginning of your running journey when you were really trying to ramp up mileage. And so the stress just in that situation of the unknown had to be off the charts. So how did you cope it, besides running? Right? I mean, like, no, what was so, it like? When I had found running, I had actually, when I had that high that one day, I had taken on this belief that I didn't need to stress anymore. And I would obviously have stressful times, but I just didn't let things bother me. Mm -hmm. And so I honestly like took a lot of time during COVID because I only worked six months that year. So I had six months off. So I had the most free time that I had ever had in my life. So COVID was honestly like a a year of more personal growth and actually allowed me to find myself and not even have to work and spend more time running and more time figuring out who I was as a person. So it wasn't really stressful for me. I know that not as many were as fortunate as I was in that, but that's what the experience was for me. So it was just enhanced my self discovery. Yeah. So in this self discovery, process that continues to unfold until the day we die, I hope, um, (laughs) you at some point decided that you wanted to coach and lead runners. Was it in that phase where you thought, hmm, maybe I could coach others? It was, I'm trying to think when it kind of started. I feel like after I hit my, I want to say after I ran my 50 miler, It was probably before then. I don't know exactly when it started, but it was something that I wanted to do. And it kind of felt like it was something that I was meant to do. Like I really felt that running 
and discovering running was kind of my superpower and I was made to be a running coach and that's who I was and that's what I was put on this earth to do. And I kind of took on that identity. I'm trying to think, I don't really know when that happened, but it just kind of became that. And I decided that that's what I was meant to do. And that was what I was going to do with my life. How'd you go about starting that? Starting doing that? Yeah. Yeah. Because you said earlier that running was almost a private thing for you. You, you didn't want anybody right. to know about it. <laughs> it was just you. And now you're like, now I need to tell the world. Yes. <laughs> I did get over that phase. I think by the time I ran a marathon, I was so proud of myself and I wanted everyone to okay. know. So that was, yeah, within the first year, I definitely got over that little hump. Okay. Um, and definitely wanted everyone to know. And then, so I think Circling back, we're about a year later now, around the 50 miler, when I started running my 50 miler. And then around that point is when it kind of started clicking that I really, I almost had this need where I felt like I really needed to show people running. Like I knew how life-changing it could be. And I really wanted other people to know just how great it was. And I, I, even to this day, sometimes I'm like, everybody should run. I don't understand why everybody does it. I realize that everybody has their own movement that they like. But at the, in, in that moment, I was very much like, everyone needs to be running and I have to just tell everyone. And it was just inside of me, like, everyone needs to know how great this sport is. It's for everyone. So I took my RRCA running coach certification in, I think, July last year. Okay. And then I was still kind of going through some personal struggles, still trying to find myself and like heal different parts of me. I think that's also when I kind of started recognizing that I was running away from life. I was also healing and discovering myself, but I was running away a lot. And I was kind of trying to find the balance in that and working through a lot of that. And I was also training for my hundred miler at that point. And that was kind of my only goal. And I still had that part of me that was also feeling guilt because I wasn't coaching because I knew that that's what I was supposed to be doing. And then I ran my hundred miler and I actually became injured during that race. I finished the race, but I left that race injured and I'm actually very thankful for that time. I think that needed to happen because it kind of gave me a lot of self-reflection to one realize how lucky I was with the plan that I had been on. And I wasn't really doing any sort of cross training or strength training. I was just running to run and it gave me like a whole different perspective and really helped me learn a lot that entire experience. And I also gave me more time to kind of take a step back from running and actually think logically, you know, create a running plan and be smart about my running. And then I also got my personal training certification at that point. Cause I had a lot more time now at that point. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And which I know that you, uh, coach and you started a group called red red jasper running red jasper uh, running yeah is my website my business that's your business mm-hmm. and you do mostly virtual coaching through that through that and then yeah. i also um an independent contractor through team run run which they're a great very community focused online virtual coaching and then i know you also have the rising runners group which is a wednesday morning yeah run so group. i do a group and this is free to anyone in the public everyone's welcome to join it's for new runners or for those that prefer a more casual pace we meet wednesday mornings right now it's at 8 a.m and at pine nursery park and we run around the park which is a, it's about a mile a little over a mile almost a mile and a half and where we meet when you do the loop and do it one more time it's a, or a loop and a half it's two miles or you can do a full two laps and it's three miles so for about 30 minutes 
It's very casual running and walking, very open to anyone that wants to join and just really wants to see what running is about and get into it. Yeah. And tell me with coaching, what has been the most rewarding aspect of this new phase in life? And I want to know what's been rewarding. And then I want to know what perspective being a coach has given you as a runner. Yeah. So I think the most rewarding is just seeing how excited everyone gets about like, Oh, I did my run today. And I'm like, yes, that's awesome. I'm so excited. I'm so happy for you. Just like that excitement when like they get that text and they're like, thank you so much. And I'm like, why are you thanking me? Like you did that. Like I just like told you to run three miles and you did it. Or I told you to like run and then walk or whatever, you know, interval I gave you and you did it. Like you did all the work. So I think that's really rewarding and just just seeing people just like their face light up and how proud they are of themselves for getting out there and doing it. And then what was the second part the of your question? The second question is perhaps a little deeper, which is what perspective has it given, has being a coach given you as a runner? I mean, I think it's a good question. I don't know if I've ever thought about this. <laughs> mm, it's probably changed the way you train and the way you think about running. Right. Now that you're leading others. I think... I definitely sometimes am a little bit more hard on myself because I'm like, I should be like strength training a little bit more. And there's still parts of me that kind of go back to the like, but running and <laughs> running so much easier. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Uh, so I don't know if it's really changed my perception too much, but I do try to think a little bit more logically now because after I've kind of learned more about how to strategically run and only increase by 10%. And so I think it's just made me a little bit smarter about my running since I've kind of learned the flow of how to create a plan mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. not just kind of run for the sake of running, which yes. is good every once in a while. Yes. So. Yes. It's a, it's a, it's a delicate balance because you do want your athletes to just enjoy running right. for the sake of running. Yes. And that's usually how we get started is as you described, it's like, oh my gosh, I just ran three miles or those, that glorious 12 mile run that you right. did that changed everything for you. And you didn't care about time. Nope. You didn't care about it, pace. I never thought about it. Uh -uh. You didn't care about periodization of whether you, <laughs> or whether you got protein 30 minutes, you know, in your <laughs> window post run. <laughs> didn't matter. It didn't matter. And so there is that beauty of just running for the sake of running. But then there is this other side where when you are working with athletes towards a goal mm -hmm. where you want them to think a little more strategically right. and, and yet find that balance where it doesn't become a part-time or a full-time job for a lot of people too. To find the balance. I know there's, it's, it's really hard. I still struggle with finding that balance and the day somebody figures it out. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Bottle it up. So, right. Uh, my, my husband has always given me really good perspective because I tend to take my training a little too seriously sometimes. Oh, okay. Not so much anymore. Um, but certainly in my 30s and, and early 40s, I took this stuff way too seriously. And, and his perspective was, you know, I already, his thought was, I have a job that is stressful to me. I do this to de-stress. Right. So if I'm, if, if something's happening where it's causing me more stress, then it's then not worth I'm it not anymore. I'm not going to do it. Mm -hmm. yeah, That's I'm fair. Do it. And so, and I coach, I am more of a lifestyle running coach versus a running coach. That's for a specific race goal, which I do both. So I will coach if you want to run a half marathon or a marathon. However, I more just want to get you into running and then also help you create the positive mindset to become a runner. And then I also work a little bit with strength training 
And if you have other goals as far as not necessarily weight loss, but like helping yourself, you know, feel good in your body and kind of tone different areas of your body. So that's kind of more the running coach that I am. Mm -hmm. So it's almost a little bit like personal training. And then it will also help you work towards a goal. So I'm able to like help you find that, well, you ran today, like you did a great job. Let's listen to your body and able to find that, but then also like in a strategic way. So you're not just running a bunch of miles and burning out. Yeah. Yeah. And since you sort of have this background in, in culinary expertise, even though, you know, you, like you said, you prefer not to cook, <laughs> yes. but, um, does that ever come in? Are you ever talking to your athletes about nutrition or anything like that? It's kind of guidance. I there? am working on my nutrition certification right now. Okay. Uh, so I do help a little bit. There's only so much I can do because I'm not like a registered dietitian and there's right. definitely more that I need to learn. Right. Um, but that does come into play. Like I do eventually I'm working on that and then also getting my health coach certification and just kind of wanting to make a full health coaching package with a running forward mm-hmm. portion of the coaching okay. is kind of the goal that I'm working towards eventually establishing. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if I'm a beginner runner and I come to you, and I was like, okay, Ashley, I'm super new at this, but I want to run a marathon in six months. What's, what kind of conversation are you having? <laughs> besides, besides me too. No, what, 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 seriously, like, what are the types of questions that you're asking them? What sort of level setting and expectation setting are you helping them through. So one, I would see what other sports they're doing right now. If they're doing any sort of exercise right now, I wouldn't say it's a complete no, because I mean, I went from nothing to marathon in nine months. So I Mm -hmm. believe it is possible. It's not something that I would necessarily recommend because you're only supposed to increase your mileage about 10% per week. And you're not going to be starting at that high. Like you're maybe going to be doing six to nine miles that Mm -hmm. first week, not a whole lot. So I would definitely, you know, wonder why, what is the kind of the goal? Why do you want to run a marathon? What inside of you is really wanting you to do that marathon? And then we'd talk about that for a little bit. And then I'd be like, well, like, that's a great goal. Like, what about a half marathon? How does that sound? Like, let's talk through the different races. Are you wanting to like do trail? Like, what is it that you're wanting? And I'd probably start pinpointing kind of the reasoning to what and why they'd want to run that marathon. And then not necessarily saying a full no, but be like, well, let's like start. I'm going to start with the plan and we'll start training towards that. But let's have that be a backup plan and let's mm-hmm. start, you know, with a 10K or a half marathon in six months. See how that feels. But like, we'll definitely get you to that marathon. Just yeah. maybe not six months from now. Yeah. 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 And it's, it is amazing when you pinpoint what that why is. Exactly. What becomes possible. Because if somebody wants to run a marathon just to lose weight, it's, that's a hard ask for a coach because yes, weight loss can be a byproduct of running miles, but if you're going home and slamming back some, you know, a large pizza because you're starved or if you're just not taking, and if you're under fueled, you're going to create injury. You Mm -hmm. really shouldn't be trying to lose weight while training for a marathon. Like I would not suggest that at all. If you wanted to come to me and say, Hey, I have weight loss goals. I'd be like, all right, great. Like Let's focus on getting you healthy. What are the foods that you're eating? Stuff like that. And then let's have the idea of a marathon there and we'll definitely get you there, but let's focus on these areas first and kind of get you in a healthy place and a place where you actually really enjoy running. Cause in order to run a marathon, like, yeah, you're running 26.2 miles, but there is an immense amount of training and running that you're doing before you hit that. 
and you're running, you know, 40 miles per week, every week for mm-hmm. a while before mm-hmm. you hit that marathon mark. And if you're not fueling correctly and you're not eating enough food, your body is not going to be able to sustain that amount of miles. Right. And how much emotional stuff comes up when you're working with runners one-on-one, meaning, you know, again, your story, you, yeah. you started running to escape some pain and to find yourself. And so for you, it, it's like, it wasn't necessarily about running. It was about, it was about being healthy and just being happy and being, being happy. happy was my goal. Yeah. I, that's all I really cared about was being happy. Does that come up a lot when you're starting to work with new runners who just aren't happy? And so running becomes like medicinal for there, them. I don't know if it's necessarily if I've gotten to the point where I've heard that it's medicinal, but they do like they have different goals or they'll be like, this came up and I wish I could have run. And I'm like, it's okay. Like you gave it your best shot. Like you're out there, like give yourself credit. Mm-hmm. And they're like, thank you so much. And I'm like, no, like you're still doing a lot of work. And I think there's a lot of that kind of processing and like fear of starting something new. And I very much work on creating new habits and just kind of getting in the habit of accomplishing a run or a strength training workout day to day. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think a lot of like kind of self-consciousness is kind of what comes up where they're kind of like, I'm sorry, I didn't work out today. And I'm like, you gave it a shot. Like you should be proud of yourself for even like one talking to me and getting that routine. Like it's incredible. Most people don't do that. Mm -hmm. It's about, I think only 23% of Americans move their body as much as is recommended and so there's still, there's a lot of people out there not doing, even trying what you're doing. Mm, that's great. Yeah. Do you think that your story is, is, makes you even more relatable as a coach, especially to beginner runners? I would say so. I think, yeah, that's, it is. <laughs> it so, is. Yes. Yeah. I, I don't like to boast too much, but yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> and it's, and it's not even, it's, uh, I don't consider it boasting. I consider it just, um, it's what makes people comfortable to enter something right like anybody can do it yes yes because there's a difference between you and i don't know i i'm max king <laughs> like who's just this you know max crazy awesome i don't know his background runner. story though i don't either okay. i don't know it but like just knowing his accolades that he has now on the on the race courses and knowing how fast and accomplished mm-hmm. he is as a beginner runner, if I was just starting to run and if I was coming with some weight issues or if I was coming as sort of a middle-aged person who is all new to this, I would be intimidated AF to show up at his running group and try to keep up or whatever. I'm, right. I'm using him by way of example. Yeah. But if I have somebody who whose story resonates with me, who I can relate right. to, who has struggled and has had the same issues that I've had, who might be a, a single mom, you know, like yeah. all of the things like now that's, that's now I'm vibing with you. Right. I really want to be relatable. I even think at times I feel like I'm not relatable enough and I wish that I was more relatable. So thank you for saying that. So yeah. like, I, I really do think it's a sport for everyone and anyone can do it, it yeah. wherever you're at. So that is definitely something. And I will say that the trail community, my perception of the trail racing community is very inclusive. It is. And very welcoming. So much so. Yes. Yes. Yeah. In fact, like, as we said earlier, like walking is encouraged. It really is. Yeah. Just (laughs) like, yeah, take, yeah, it's, it's great. Like you're in the woods, sister or brother, take your time. It's Mm -hmm. all good. And then especially once you start entering ultras, like you're walking a 
big portion of that. You yeah. know, you're going up steep hills and you're walking those. It's not smart not to. Yeah. Or it's, yeah. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> what is, uh, as we wrap up, what, it, what, what's on your like race plan? What are you building up to right now? Yeah. So I, you know, since I was injured from the hundred miler, I had been taking time off of a race or from racing in general. I haven't quite committed to any race. I am pacing a friend for the cascade 100 in a couple of weeks. So that's the race that I did last year. So I'm kind of excited to, I'm going to volunteer and then also pay. So I'm excited to kind of be on the other end of it. Yep. So that'll be good. And then I have been having my eye on uh, lastest, not fastest, which okay. is coming up in October. And then there is a 200 mile race that I have my eye on the Oregon 200. Okay. That is going to be, uh, if they get the permit approved, it will be on my 31st birthday. So I yeah. will need to do another hundred miler before then, if I'm going to commit to that. But do you have to qualify with a hundred miler too? You don't. Okay. I just think it would be smart for training wise yeah. to do a hundred miler before that one. Um, but no, you don't have to qualify it for, I'm just on the wait list to sign up when the permits get approved for that. Okay. Okay. So nothing a hundred percent on the books yet. I'm still kind of open and finding that balance with running right now. But does, does running still bring you joy? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Okay. It still definitely brings me joy. Okay. It's the best thing. <laughs> it's all over your face. <laughs> yes, it is. You can follow Ashley at Red Jasper Running on all of the socials or visit her website at redjasperrunning.com. A couple of the key takeaways from this episode that I really want to reiterate, which is pouring love all over yourself. I loved that quote. And I also loved when she talked about when she was running and got lost and ended up running way more miles than she ever intended. She just started talking positively to herself and that fueled that entire run. And the other lesson that I thought was very profound and simple is going back to what you love in life. And for her, it was running and it's, uh, it's leading her down some wonderful paths and we can't wait to see where it takes her. So I also want to let you know that you could support this podcast through buy me a coffee and trust me as a small little independent podcaster, it goes a long way and I appreciate any support. I will drop a link to buy me a coffee in the show notes. Take care and we will see you next time on I Could Never Do That.